even before the scandal of the cross, you go back to the incarnation. My pastor's wife made this point the other day, and I haven't gotten out of my head. She pointed out that Jesus's first breath as a baby was likely filled with the smell of cow manure. Yeah. God himself subjected himself to these things. Why? Yeah. For us. The great I am put on human flesh and he breathed oxygen, right? Love was born in a manger. A jingle bell. Oh no. A jingle bell. <laughs> a jingle always. Oh, what fun is ride. Uh, <laughs> one camel always eat hay. I mean, imagine being in a new country. You don't speak the language. I'm having a, having a host <laughs> who was like, I don't know, sane. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously try not to laugh after I do these things. And <laughs> but it, it just, happens. It happens. Look at well, Ray still because not. Because of the you sheer brilliance. Laugh, nobody would laugh. <laughs> <laughs> was I that like, like your, laugh. is that an, a rendition of your uncle? <laughs> <laughs> My uncle. Linguizi? Uncle Rico? <laughs> My uncle Habib. No, but seriously, imagine being in a new country. You don't speak a lick of English. You're trying to grapple with all this stuff. Christmas rolls around, and you're trying to make sense of these Christmas songs and Christmas carols. Guys, it was tough. Why are you yawning, Oscar? I'm sorry. I fell asleep. It's the heat in the studio. <laughs> it is. I don't it know why hot. in the world it's 400 hot. degrees in here. Yeah. I don't understand is that you learned English when you came over here, and this is what you're doing with the language. You're just <laughs> destroying it with your dad jokes. I like it. Mark, one. dad jokes don't have brilliant accents like this. So we're talking about Christmas today, guys, and uh, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about Christmas? We are going to get ourselves into trouble no matter what way we go with this. No, well, look. Seriously, we're going to get texts, emails all over the place saying Jesus was not born on the 21st with lots of explanation points. Yeah. By the way, for anybody who wants to complain, Ray's email address here <laughs> no. at the ministry is... Right to right. <laughs> well, look, obviously there are different perspectives on this. We're not here to persecute anybody who does or doesn't celebrate Christmas, though we might at some point in the course of the program, perhaps. We're in trouble. But we want to talk about the significance of Jesus. When I was a kid in Lebanon, things are a bit different down there. We had Santa, but you didn't leave him cookies and milk. You left him baklava and a hookah. Are you serious? <laughs> I would be all about I that, by the way. Be some, <laughs> I'd be you, getting you'd hired be into that, as Santa Claus. <laughs> baklava. Yeah. Oscar's a baklava We always lit a in. fire on that night so he wouldn't come down. <laughs> Yeah, and he didn't leave you a, a, a lump of coal. He left you a grenade yes. in your stocking if he didn't like you. I think it was one of my kids' greatest celebrations in life and joys through the course of their childhood and telling other kids that there was no such thing as Santa Claus. <laughs> I know. We we trained our kids not to do that, but it happened a handful of times. You guys, we, got, we got phone calls from parents. Can I have an announcement, please? I'd like to make an announcement. Two years old. Doesn't care. Just go. <laughs> Just do it. You guys remember, right? I mean, my kids were so deprived of Santa when, when we were at the mall and we're walking around. Luke points and looks and goes, Dad, look, there's Moses. <laughs> so we have a joke around our house. We don't do secret Santa. We do secret Moses. Secret Moses. We're going to have to put a disclaimer on this podcast episode, by the way, for any kids that, because families listen to this. And I'm sure there's families out we're there. We're going to destroy families. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So Christmas is rolling around. I am boiling in here. Did we set that to AC? Christmas is rolling around? Yeah, Christmas is rolling around. Ray, why do I think of Sonny Bono? 
<laughs> when I look over at you. Ray right shaved now. his beard. <laughs> Sonny Bono. 100%. It wasn't my fault that I shaved my Sonny beard. Sonny Bono. What happened is I was watching television. I don't know what we were watching, rugby or something. It was an advertisement that came on with a guy using a, was it a brawn shaver with a floating head? Yeah. And he was very handsome and he was having a good time shaving. And I got sucked in. I thought, I'd like one of those. <laughs> so he said, you can't have one of those. You've got a beard. So I went upstairs and got rid of it. Oh, um, and, and it's just like a little pile of hair. I thought that was my beard. And then... One of our camera crew said he wished he could grow a beard, so I said I'd send him my old one. <laughs> By the way, if you want to win Ray's beard, we're doing a giveaway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh, that'd be fun. So, yeah. It, anyway, it, it's coming back. I've oh, been, I've been the return it, of the beard? I've been growing it for two, two days. And it's well, great. It'll be a fresh new one. Yes. yes. In the meantime, we're going to call you Patches. <laughs> <laughs> Does Sue like you with or without a beard? She's happy whatever I want. Yeah, but did she, she, I did catch her staring at me last night. <laughs> she said, your bottom lip looks funny. <laughs> so I said, it's coming back quick. How long was the beard going on for, right? Uh, it, it must be 10 or 12 years since I started growing it when Kirk and I were doing a program together for The Way of the Master. Yeah. So that was a long time ago. Wow, it's been that long. Yes. I didn't realize that. Yeah, we want it back, Ray. Please <laughs> bring back the beard. Send the send the mustache back to the eighties, if you yeah, would. Yeah, I knew that was coming. In the meantime, yeah. we're hanging out with the nineteen seventies, Ray. Yes. <laughs> Sonny Bono. There was someone else. Are we doing a show like on Christmas or something? No, the Advent season. Look, he segues into something else, and then he blames us for this. Did you? Catch I don't know. That? I'm melting. That's all I know. I feel Scotty's like Frosty the Snowman right now. Okay, so. Guys, Christmas. The average American will spend $704 on holiday gifts and goodies this year, totaling more than $465 billion. So that's really good because that's stimulating the economy economy and helping people to live. The real question with that is, what are you getting me, Mark? Well, listen, I registered at Wells Fargo this year just to make it easy (laughs) for you guys. And uh, Lexus of Huntington Beach and Century 21, just to make it easy on you guys. I like. I get you gifts and presents. Just park it out front. I, for one, love the Christmas season without having to get into the debates about it. I know it's not Jesus's real birthday, et cetera, et cetera. The reason why I love it, I think two things. One, it forces me to focus on the incarnation of Christ, which is something that I don't know about you guys, but I often overlook. I often jump right to his life and then right to the cross. But the thing is about the cross is that what makes the cross so scandalous is the scandal of the incarnation. Like we can't fully understand the weight of the cross until we understand that Jesus, or I should say that the glory of God in the highest, who was and is and is to come, that God was in a manger. He was a baby. That's the first reason why I love it so much. We can get more into that in a minute. Scandal. That's a powerful word to use. Why did you use it? Well, because the cross is so scandalous. I mean, God dies. Yeah. God dies. That's scandalous. God is incarnate in human form, subjecting himself to poverty and all of the frailty of humanity. I mean, you think of like, go back to even before the scandal of the cross, you go back to the incarnation. My pastor's wife made this point the other day, and I haven't gotten out of my head. She pointed out that Jesus's first breath as a baby was likely filled with the smell of cow manure. Yeah. God himself subjected himself to these things. Why? Yeah. For us. The great I am put on human flesh and he breathed oxygen, right? Love 
was born in a manger. Wow. You know, a well-known speaker by the name of Gail Irwin years ago, he talked about just the contradictions connected with Christ being a king. When you think of a king being born, Mm -hmm. you know, he's born into royalty. There was something I caught yesterday on YouTube. It It was something in my feed. And I just caught a minute or two of it, but it was about these princesses from different countries that came to the U.S. and they tried to act like normal women so that men would like them not for who they are, but not for being princesses, but just for who they were. Is this a real true story? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Okay, well, I'm going to listen now. Go ahead. Uh Now they're into it. Yeah, but, you know, the thought of that, and and I caught one of them saying something like, oh, I'm not used to doing this or that. You know, they got like regular jobs and things like that. So anyway, you imagine what you would expect, right, from a king. I mean, he'd be born in the the best part of the nation that he's from. He'd be born in a palace, right? I mean, silk sheets. He would associate with the best people. He would, But you think of what Christ did, you know, and it, it reminds me of 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. God, that's my prosperity scripture. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Yes, tell it, brother. Yeah. Ray, I miss that ring you used to sport, by the way. The what? When you, the, the ring you put oh, on at yes. Pulpit. Yeah, that was too heavy for my arm. <laughs> the thing was Did like you make the that? size of a Rubik's yes, Cube. Yeah, it's a, I think it was a doorknob originally, <laughs> and I had it, had it put in there. and That was a funny way. Oh, I love what he does. He goes, there's a room, an ugly room. I've been preaching prosperity. And he goes, I don't know where that came from. That's so he brings his hand around. And there's this thing the size of a Rubik's Cube looking like a diamond. A diamond ring on his hand. <laughs> oh, man. But no, I mean, you think of what Christ went through. He was, he was from Nazareth. That's the area he grew up in. And that's Bean Town, Bean Town or Sprout yeah. Town. What good come of Nazareth? What good thing can come out of Nazareth? You know, you think of his birth in a, in a barn. barn put in a feeding trough that animals would eat out of. And you think of his associations, lowly fishermen who are uneducated. And, Riding on a donkey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of that. Your, your proclamation of your birth made by shepherds, mm-hmm. you know, lowly shepherds out with their flocks. Such an offense to the world and the way the world thinks. Yeah. It speaks so true to his upside down kingdom. Yeah. It's what theologians call it because the kingdom of man is full of power and praise and privilege and the kingdom of God comes through humility and through grace Mm. and through sacrificial love. Yeah. And then even the cross itself, talk about a scandal, you know, we look at it as a symbol of glory. You know, we put it up on our church buildings, we wear it around our necks. It's like wearing a, um, some means that we kill like criminals. Like an electric chair. Yeah, like an yeah. electric chair or around my neck. Sure. Just, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, and of course, I always use that. You think about it, how much more gruesome the death of the cross was, mm-hmm. that that parallel can only go so far. But but yeah, I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was like, you know, the cross. I mean, you see people, even ungodly people, wearing cross earrings and right. tattoos of the cross. It wasn't a glorious symbol back yeah. then. It was the most horrendous way to die under the Roman rule. So... Yeah, he became poor that we might become spiritually rich, obviously. Have you ever meditated on how Jesus evangelized on the cross? Mm -hmm. Such an incredible thought that he was witnessing to a guy next to him and listening to him. You think, seriously, if put yourself in in, in Jesus' place. The wrath of God is coming upon him. The whole sin of the world is laid upon him. He's in agony, physical agony we can't imagine, and someone turns to me turns and says, Lord, remember, I'd say, look, I'm busy at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excuse me, I, I can't talk. <laughs> Something's going on. 
and yet he, he showed love to his mother and concern for others and father forgiven them, no, not what they do. It's very moving when you look at it that in that way. That's going to be yeah. Ray in the mortuary with his dead body. He's just going to like look over to another dead body and go, <laughs> do you think you're a good person? <laughs> <laughs> Make a good cartoon. Oh, man. Well, we've, we've talked about stuff like that years ago. Remember I was talking about the... Uh, the legacy. Tombstone. Yeah, lasting legacy, lasting having legacy. tombstones that preach the gospel when you go by them. Oh, that's right. <laughs> With like Very a cool. censor as soon as, like, hey, you, <laughs> come over here. <laughs> that's why we recorded Ray's uh, funerals how many times, I don't know. You know, easy to your point, what Too you many said times. earlier, Sam Storms, he said, in reference to Jesus, he said, he was conceived by the union of divine grace and human disgrace. The king of kings sleeping in a cow pen. The creator of oceans and seas and rivers afloat in the womb of his mother, God sucking his thumb, the Alpha and the Omega learning his ABCs, he who was once surrounded by the glorious stereophonic praise of adoring angels, now hears the lowing of cattle, the bleeding of sheep, the stammering of bewildered shepherds. He who spoke the universe into being now coos and cries, Hmm. omniscient deity counting his toes. From the robes of eternal glory to the rags of swaddling clothes, the omnipresent spirit whose being fills the galaxies, confined to the womb of a peasant girl, infinite power learning to crawl. Oh, man. Mark, can you send me that? No. <laughs> Would you like an Oscar? Yeah. I'm, I'm preaching, I'm preaching at a church you to, sell it on to the him, Sunday huh? before Christmas. Sell it to him. How much is it worth you? That will work great with my sermon. Mark, Please send it to me. You make a point by quoting Sam Storms, which is, again, God incarnate, God as a baby, which means he had to rely on his teenage mother and father to be fed and changed. Mm-hmm. He subjected himself to humans. How does that inform our worship? Like, how does that impact us on a day-to-day basis? Why is it important that we just, we give space for that? I was actually emailing this to Easy, and I wasn't listening too much to it. <laughs> you weren't even listening. Uh, Oscar, uh, never mind your question, but I do have one Such thing. a good question. <laughs> never mind that question. No, but I, I do want to say one thing. that That's a good one we should get to, but you imagine that dilemma for Mary and Joseph I mean, I think we kind of just sort of skim over that. The realization that you're going to be the parents of God in the flesh. I imagine those dilemmas, like most parents are talking about discipline techniques. They're probably thinking, is Jesus going to discipline us? You know, it's like you're talking about what color you're going to paint the nursery. Yeah, It's like, wait, doesn't Jesus get the master bedroom actually? And so you imagine those dilemmas. But just think there's no discipline. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's that's not even an issue with Jesus. Yeah. The perfect child. But that that whole dynamic of being parents to the one who made you, mm. you're born through the womb you fashioned and formed. I think we totally underrate the significance of the incarnation of God becoming man. And the greatest gift was wrapped in thorns. Wow. You know, there's so much confusion among even mature Christians, I find, as to Jesus being God manifest in the flesh. They say, no, no, he wasn't God in flesh. He was the son of God. He was the son of man, but he was not God in human form. And you have to send them scripture say, oh, yes, mm-hmm. that's who he was. And uh, Yeah, you know, on that note, Ray, that, that's so significant. A lot of times when people think of the son of God, they're thinking of it 
in a human sense, like a man and a woman got married and had a baby, like he had an earthly father and earthly mother. Obviously, Mary was the instrument through which he was born, but Christ was divine. He was conceived virgin. Holy Spirit. Conceived, yeah, exactly. But when he said son of God, people understood what that meant in his time. I mean, think of John 5, 16 through 18. It says, for this reason, the Jews persecuted him and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and I've been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because they not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. They understood that to call God your father in the sense that Christ called him father meant to share in his essence. So that's equality. But then look a few chapters later, John 10, 29 through 33, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. Again, they fully understood and grasped that. And Mark, that's something that's, I think, lacking in terms of Christians grasping the significance of the deity of Christ. Mm -hmm. How important is that? Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Well, it's... It's so important that I think the difference is between heaven and hell, all right? Because it had to be God paying the price. God had to pay the ultimate price. He who knew no sin became sin for us. It couldn't be just another mere mortal pain for another mere mortal, right? There's no greater love than this than one to lay down his life for his friends. So you can die for me and that would be absolutely amazing. But we have to understand and put in its proper place that it had to be God who died for man because he was without sin, without guile, without blemish, without anything that is resembling man in the sinful state, right? Jesus is not in the manger anymore. When he lived a perfect life and he died a cruel death, he did it for that sole purpose of redeeming man and being that bridge between man and God. So there has to be that. I'm not saying that you have to absolutely understand the deity or the Trinity aspect of it. When I was saved, I didn't understand the Trinity and the aspect of that. But there is that idea that no, there has to be a perfect price paid for a infinite sin against an infinitely holy and perfect God. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. So, Ray, I know that we were joking around in the beginning of about people, you know, having an issue with Christians celebrating Christmas because you know, there were pagan aspects that surrounded it. There are actually a lot of misconceptions, though, I would say, that are held 
based on misinformation. But aside from that, yeah, there are some things that people can point to and say, well, this was going on at that time or around that time. And so, but what's wrong with Christians saying, hey, we're going to do away with pagan practices. Around this time, we're going to turn our gaze toward the Lord and magnify Christ and use it for the gospel. Absolutely. That's the big springboard. We've got a, a time of the year when literally more than a billion, even up to two billion people are celebrating the birth of the one that we live for. And so it's a a huge springboard to say, you know, how's your Christmas been? Do you ever think about what Jesus did on the cross and why he was born? Born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing. I'm going to burst into song right now. (laughs) What a beautiful springboard to Mm. say, born that man no more may die. Do Mm. you realize what that's about? That's what we're celebrating at Christmas. I sent you guys, I showed you guys a photo I took just from around around the road there with some Christmas decoration, and it was a, about a 15-foot skeleton of a dinosaur. And I thought, oh, yeah. whoa, that really brings out the message of Christmas. What's that doing <laughs> on someone's lawn at Christmas? But, you know, talk about losing the message of what Christmas, what the message of Christmas is about under a stack of materialism, but that's what happened. And, and it's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy, I think, yeah, in a yeah. sense. I couldn't agree more with you. I think the opportunity to proclaim the gospel is it's a low-hanging fruit during this time of year. I mean, normally we have to bring in existential questions that people aren't comfortable talking about, like, where do you think you're going to go when you die? But during Christmas season, the seeds of the gospel are everywhere. You can't walk through a Target without hearing, oh, holy night. Think about that for a second. Target, a secular consumeristic place, you know, 10,000 square feet of, feet of like trying to be your own God. And there is singing in the background, oh, holy night, yeah. right? So the, the opportunity to ask somebody, what, like, what are you celebrating this time of year? What is it about Christmas that makes you so joyful? What, like, why are we doing this? It's just such an easy entrance to the gospel. I, didn't, you know? I never heard that hymn until I came to the U.S. I really? Never, Holy never night? Heard, yeah, I heard it 30 years ago, and I, and I just became a, just a bundle of goosebumps. Wow, what a doing. beautiful song. Yeah. yeah, I read somebody said, the first time Jesus came, he came as a baby. Soon he comes as sovereign king. He will not take sides, he will take over. And the next time he comes, the sky will roll up like a scroll and all the stars will fall and he himself will be the light. So the Christian Christmas, rather the Christmas message is there's hope for a ruined humanity. Mm. Yeah. And what a massive springboard, you know, as Oscar was alluding to, that people are open in a unique way. One of the things that we've loved doing throughout the years as we've lived in a few different places is using Christmas as an opportunity to go to all our neighbors, yes, and to give them a little Gospel of John or something wrapped up, which I want to point to, which we have available now through our ministry in the unique way, and a candy cane with it, and then a letter introducing ourselves to them and giving them the gospel. It's been one of the most wonderful things we've done. And, and the last home we had lived in, we had, I think, in our association, we had like 208 homes. So we went to every single home, knocked on the door. Hey, we're newer here in the neighborhood. You just did? wanted, yeah, we said oh, we just wanted to amazing. say, you know, Merry Christmas and uh, introduce ourselves. This is a little something for you. And easy, that it is was, just such a wonderful thing to do. I just give away from my car to my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I only have thirteen people. In yeah, my right. Yeah, but no, it it gives you that you have a reason to be at the door, right? It's Christmas time, and you're just showing goodwill. And we found it to be wonderful and fruitful. 
And you could do that on so many levels, you know, just, hey, people are in that mode. This is the time when it's like, oh, yeah, it's Christmas, and you've no one wants me, to look like a you've, Scrooge. You've you know? brought back a memory to me when, uh, this is probably 40, 45 years ago, I got our youth group, got a flat deck truck, got a plump guy from our church, dressed him up as Santa, <laughs> and we went round to the, the local uh, hotels and pubs singing Christmas carols. And when they came out to join in, I got a megaphone and preached the gospel to them off the back of the truck. <laughs> it. Uh, it was uh, interesting to see their reaction. Yeah. Do you guys? What do you guys do in regards to your like family devotions this time of year? Do you guys make any adjustments to focus on the Christmas season? Yeah, at different seasons we've done different things, but definitely it works its way more into our family devotions because that's what's going on, and so a lot of times we'll make application that's relevant yeah. and appropriate. But definitely on Christmas in our home, we always turn to the Word and and do a devotion related to. Christ's birth. And it's crazy though, when you think about that in homes all across the country where people are celebrating Christmas and there's nothing mentioned about Christ. There's no pause to acknowledge his incarnation and that he was born and none of that happens, Mm -hmm. you know? And again, that's typically a byproduct of the fact that Christ isn't elevated in the home throughout the year. It's Mm -hmm. like being in a rainstorm, but not mentioning the rain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. It's Christmas. Yeah. Birth of Christ. We spend a season of, in Advent, and for those who don't know what Advent is, it's, a, it's an ancient tradition started around the 4th or 5th century, and it was meant to just spend the time leading up to Christmas to reflect on the second coming of Christ and the incarnation. Mm. So traditionally, it's broken up into the, the four weeks of Advent. The first week, you focus on hope then peace, then love, then joy. And so we do a nightly devotion based on Advent all the way up to Christmas. What's nice is that Advent typically is treated as like the countdown towards Christmas. Like most people know the Advent chocolate calendar and it's just like, this is just our way, five, four, three, two, one, I get to open my presents, right? But Advent is meant to slow us down. And one of the key things about Advent too is, is so the word Advent is Latin for waiting, In other words, we're like, we're waiting, we're longing, the earth is groaning for the second coming of Christ. It gives a lot of cool, great, worshipful space, those 30 days leading up to Christmas, to just long for Christ and to feel what the Israelites felt because there was 400 years of silence from prophets leading up to the birth of Jesus. Matter of fact, Timothy Paul Jones has this incredible quote in one of his devotions. He says, Advent links our hearts with those of ancient prophets who pined for a long-promised Messiah, but passed long before his arrival. You know, nothing makes me groan for the coming of Christ like watching politics. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, even so, come Lord Jesus, (laughs) get us out of here. You know, I recommend an Advent devotional I absolutely love it. Paul Tripp, it's one of my favorite authors. Come Let Us Adore Him. Yeah, we it's did that one year, actually. 24 Daily yeah. Advent Devotionals. It's really good. so good. Yeah. It was super year. short as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember we did do that for Family Devotions one year, and it was really, really good. Just a good recalibration, a refocus on the Lord. You know, I think that one of the things that we miss during this season as well is opportunity even to reconcile with family members that we have been estranged from. Again, there's something about the spirit of the season where people just have more of an openness. You know, I was thinking about you, Christmas is rolling around. There's so much more of that than we realize 
schisms between families, issues, problems. And I'm just throwing that out there, something that just popped on my heart and mind for you to consider who are listening that may have those strained relationships to try to use this as a, an olive branch time. Ooh, you know, good. there is more of a tenderness I've seen in people around this season. So it would be a good thing to do. Especially when you're rich in good works. Yeah. Right? Be rich in good works towards your relatives that you have a strain with and it bridge gaps. Let your light so shine among men that they may actually see your good works and yeah. bring glory to your Father in heaven. Take yeah. gifts, gifts. That's, I mean, hey, I got you some gifts for Christmas. Just wanted to reach out, spend a long time. Hey, yeah. I, you know, whatever. Who's not going to say, come inside? <laughs> <laughs> Ray, yeah. you're so big on gifts. I mean, you. That, this is why we were at your house the other night. We were folding up uh, in and out gift cards together. My kids love Ray because every time they see him, they walk away with a $5 <laughs> in and out gift cards. Ray, what's with you and gifts? You're like, you are the real Santa. <laughs> with no beard though that's the problem yeah it's coming it's coming fair. but what is that Ray I mean that has been something with you that I've seen as a hallmark of your life giving gifts I actually love it it just gives me so much joy to see people's face light up I'm more blessed to give than to receive yeah guys beard caught fire I should have seen his face light up it just came to me <laughs> yeah it is more blessed to give than receive and um Especially with families, uh, sometimes I'll ride on, on my bike, people come up and say, love your dog, love your dog, and I say, oh, it's a YouTube channel, 180 million views, you might like to check it out, and here's some uh, in and out cards for you and your five kids, and they go, whoa, because this is a complete stranger, yeah. and so you know they're going to go to the, the channel and say, what's this about, mm. and so uh, that, that gives me great joy. Yeah. Were you a giver before you became a Christian? Kind of. Uh, no, yes, but not like when I became a Christian, I had a reason to give. Yeah. That, that was something that just exploded in me. I remember the, the moment uh, I was giving my testimony to a crowd of about 800 people, like about 200 miles from our, our uh, city, and I remember saying that. I, I said, I'm Jewish, and I want to give away money. <laughs> I remember saying that, and it's because the love of God shed abroad in the heart, hmm. and you just can't help but give as a Christian. Yeah. And you know, when I discover something, I, I've you know I discovered something that gets rid of the itchings of a mosquito bite. That little plastic thing you put on your on your skin and just pull it, and it sucks the the. Has uh, that been really working for it you? Really works. I bought one. It works. Yeah. What but, happened to the uh, to the blow dryer? That's, I that thought... takes three minutes. That's so much long in my life. You know, but this is <laughs> three instant. minutes is like three hours it's in instant. Ray time. It's just uh, it's called a thingy or something. Mark, you've tried it. It really works. <laughs> yeah, my, oh, my girls love it, especially. Yeah, yeah it's a little, little, yeah, little, little, uh, Kelly got me one. Yeah, yeah. It, you could see it suck it like pulling out. No, you know, you can't see it. It's just invisible. But there's no sting. It just there's no. Our it listeners have no really idea what we're talking about. <laughs> but I, yeah, it's called the thingy or something like that. But anyway, the, when I discovered that, I wanted to tell the whole world, I'm serious. Yeah. And so how much more should I be like that with the gift of eternal life? Good. Oh, man. No. I love what you said earlier about, yeah, uh, easy. what you said earlier about just taking a, a, an opportunity to be an olive branch. And I was thinking about like other things about, about Christmas time. One of the other aspects about Christmas time too that we have to give space for is a lot of people struggle during Christmas time with depression. It's at an all-time high throughout yeah. the year. Speaking of depression, well. it's called bug of depression. <laughs> bug thingy. That's bug what thingy. it's called. Bug thingy. That's, that's right. Yeah, bug, it really works. If you have cool. an itch, you just you do that and the itch is gone from the bug bite. Yeah, no, so by just saying that, that got rid of people's depression. That's that right. Didn't know it. So carry on. What so, would that thing do if I put it over my eyeball and pulled on it? it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I need to anyway. It'll be a lawsuit. But I want to give space for those struggling for 
example, there are certain members of my family. My sister four years ago passed away in November. And so Um, right around this time of year, there's a handful of individuals that really start to struggle. And that's true for a lot of individuals. They start thinking about the broken relationships that they might have with parents, the family members that are no longer around. The end of the year starts coming up and they start to get, you know, feel the weight of all the things that they hope to have accomplished and not. And one of the aspects of focusing on the incarnation about Jesus, we talked about him being born in a manger, is the reality that he took on all of the pain and suffering of what it means to be a human, the frailty, the sickness, the persecution, the mockery, the whipping, the crown of thorns, and death itself, including the wrath of God. And he did all this. I think there's two things we can take away from that. One, when you pray to a God You pray to somebody who doesn't just stand over and above suffering, but who lived through suffering, Mm. who knows suffering himself. And two, you pray to a God who didn't have to do that, but did that so that one day all suffering would end, so that you could be forgiven of your sins, set free from the snares of death and live an eternal life with God where all suffering has ceased, where all pain is gone, where all tears have been wiped from our eyes. And so we find comfort in knowing that we we worship a God who has suffered, and we find hope in knowing that we worship a God who suffered so that suffering would end. Wow, so good. And I think it's easy for us to take, to take it for granted that everyone listening to the podcast as a believer, but maybe you've been turned on to this because you came across it somehow as you're searching through podcasts or someone recommended it. There's a great significance in the answer that's given to the question that Jesus posed to his disciples. If you look at Matthew 16, Jesus and the disciples had just entered Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus turns to them and asks them, who do men say that I am? And so they give them, you know, answers, Elijah or John the Baptist or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And there were different significant reasons why they gave those answers based on biblical or traditional things. But none of those were right, of course. But then Jesus turns to his disciples and he asks them this pointedly, but who do you say that I am? This is where we got that great declaration. Peter looks and says, you are the Christ, the Mm. son of the living God. And Jesus praised him. You know, he says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. This is a divine thing. This is truth, Peter. You got this. (laughs) What's crazy is Peter got rebuked shortly after that in the same chapter when Jesus said he's going to the cross. And he's like, not so, Lord. And it says he began to rebuke Jesus. And that's when Jesus said, get get you behind me, Satan. That's an ultimate slap in the face. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's like... It's like, um, that's not right, Sonny. It was get behind (laughs) me, Satan. Satan, Of all things to be called. I want to see him like slump away. (laughs) I probably said to Jesus, excuse me? Yeah. What? Wait, are you, I what? mean, he just got done riding his high horse. Jesus just yes. praised him. You know, yes, Peter. And he's like, yeah, well, hey, no, Jesus, you're not going to do this. You try to take over. But the answer to that question has eternal consequences. Mm. Who do you say that I am? Mm. And, you know, the big reason for that is, I mean, do you think of what Jesus said in John 8, 24? Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins for if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. If you don't believe that I am the Son of God, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, who was sent for what purpose? To die for sins. If you don't believe that I am God come in the flesh, the Son of God, 
and the sacrifice for the sins of sinners, then you will die in those sins because you don't have redemption. And so, friends, we just want to encourage those of you who are listening to recognize that you need to have the right answer to that question Mm. and that it needs to be evident in your life that you have bowed your knee to him as Christ, the Son of God. And the way to bow your knee to him is just read the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. Just read what Jesus said. This is the Messiah magnifying the law and making it honorable as Isaiah said he would. And you see him expound that law, lust is adultery of the heart, anger without cause, you're in danger of judgment. That shows us we need that cross, we need his mercy. Yeah, Mm. and Mark, Ray makes a good point in that regard. People shy away from wanting to think about the severity of their sin, but shouldn't that magnify the love of God when we realize how great sin is and yet he still came and gave his life for sinners like us? Yeah, well, when we recognize that there is nothing we can do to earn the smile of God, that all of our sins, when added together, builds a case against us that makes us deserve hell and how there's no good thing that dwells inside of us. I mean, it's a whole lot worse than we can actually think. And that's the whole point and the purpose for pulling out and bringing out the law, to magnify the law. When we do that, when we evangelize, it demonstrates the greatness of God. You yeah. will never be able to see the greatness of God when you, unless you see the depravity of man. Mm. You know, I, I like what John MacArthur said. He said, here's a side of the Christmas story that isn't often told. The soft little hands fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb were made so that nails might be driven through them. Those baby feet, pink and unable to walk, would one day walk up a dusty hill to be nailed to a cross. Hmm. That sweet infant's head was sparkling with sparkling eyes and eager mouth was formed so that someday men might force a crown of thorns onto it. And that tender body, warm and soft, wrapped in swaddling clothes, would one day be ripped open by a spear. Mm. This is the Christmas story. Jesus was born to die. Oh, man. Boy, that takes... Send me that, that, that Mark. Takes, <laughs> <laughs> sell it to him, Mark. That takes it out, the baby out of the manger, doesn't it? Like, yeah. really quick. And, and brings out the, the truth of the gospel. Well, you know, yeah. I, sorry, Oscar. Um, Please. I was... Uh, yesterday, uh, I saw a guy rollerblading, went up to him and asked if he wanted to come on camera and it turned out to be a high school teacher that was in his, his lunch break. It was very interesting. He said, when I asked him, he said, I, I don't believe in hell. And so I just asked one question. I said, well, what do you think God should do with Hitler? And he went mm. so quiet. Wow. And he just did a complete reverse. He said, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> right. That's good. And I love what you say. God won't stop there. Yeah. And you go to the spirit of the law that Christ touched on, lust being adultery, unjust hatred and anger in our hearts being murder, and, you know, so forth. Sin makes hell make sense. Yeah. Because if you remove sin from the equation, God is an evil tyrant that would ever send somebody there. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. I love the the quote that you used. And I think that it's, it's, again, just so valuable to reflect on the incarnation, specifically God as a baby. And even like the next time you see a baby at church on Sunday, just, you know, reflect on those tiny little fingers and like the need that that baby has on his parents and think yourself, that was God, which I, I made this joke in a sermon recently. You imagine like meeting Mary in the synagogue and you like, you grab Jesus and you're like, oh, who's this little fella? <laughs> and Mary's like, oh, Emmanuel, 
God with us. Wow. I'd be like, oh, here you go. Because <laughs> you don't want to drop God. It's yeah. like not a sin you want to confess. But the thing is about that, real quickly, the thing that makes it powerful is that as you think of that baby, that perfect, innocent, pure baby is the same beautiful, perfect, innocent Jesus that died on the cross for us. Mm. Oh. So what do we say to each other this Christmas? Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, Blessed Christmas, or Happy... <laughs> Merry. <laughs> you guys say Happy Christmas in New Zealand, don't you? I don't know. Happy Christmas. It's, it's a long time ago. I can't yeah. remember. You know, I'm not I'm, offended by any, anybody that says anything like that. I talked to a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses at different times that said, Jesus was not born on December 25th. I said, I never said that he was. But he did. Because <laughs> he was born on October 2nd. Okay. Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know. And I think we're still straining at gnats like the Pharisees and swallowing mm, camels. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, again, we've talked about this even with uh, with Halloween time. We don't revel in what that represents or anything of that sort, or get into the insane celebrations of it. But National Evangelism Day, we've talked about that. People are coming to your door. What an opportunity to give them. Some people will literally lock their doors, not even open them up. You have unsafe people come to your door. Give them a piece of candy and a gospel tract right. with the gospel in it, you know? Oh, an edible tract for next year. Oh, yes. <laughs> that wouldn't that be interesting? And then it goes into your brain and <laughs> the gospel just goes into your thoughts. On repeat. Yeah. <laughs> but to fathom the reality that Christ, yes, was God in human form. I mean, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I love what Philip Schaff said. He said, this Jesus of Nazareth without money and arms conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Muhammad, and Napoleon. Without science and learning, he shed more light on things human and divine than all scholars and philosophers combined. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. Without writing a single line, he set more pens in motion and furnished themes for more sermons, orations, discussions, learned volumes, works of art, and songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times. Well, would you send that to us? <laughs> <laughs> I you would love to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was that was easy's memory, by the way. He wasn't reading it. Mark reads things. I read yeah. things. Oscar reads things. And easy. I think the best place to wrap this up here as we draw to a close is to remind all of us of all that Jesus really is. And I want to recite the A through Z that you guys have heard me share before. I don't think I've done it on any of the podcasts. Not this podcast. Not this one. No, you haven't done this one. You did A through L. Have I done A through Z on any of the podcasts we've done? I don't think I have. But yeah, Jesus is called the Alpha and the Omega, which literally means the A and the Z, right? Alpha and Omega being the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And I read this years ago. Ray, you sent this to me. This was ages ago. I think it's like when email was still new. And I remember getting it from you and I'm like, this, I decided I'm going to memorize this and I've recited it everywhere. I'm probably going to blow it right now. I was now, just going to say, yeah, this is the first time. I can tell time. what you're thinking. That's why I said it, right? But I love it. Jesus is the A and the Z, the Alpha and Omega, and everything else in between. Beginning with A to the artist, he's the altogether lovely one. To the builder, he's a chief cornerstone. To the chef, he's the bread of life. To the doctor, he's a great physician. To the educator, he's a master teacher. To the florist, he's a rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. To the geologist, he's a rock of ages. To the horticulturist, he's a true vine. To the 
intellectual, he's a wisdom of God. To the jeweler, he is the head of his church, which is a pearl of great price. To the king, he's a prince of peace. To the lawyer, he is judge of all the earth. To the manufacturer, he's a creator of all things. To the newsman, he's a glad tidings of great joy. To the occultist in search of the light, he is the light of the world. To the philanthropist, he is a gift of God. To the queen, he is the king of kings. To the rabbi, he is a messiah. To the scholar, he is the truth. To the theologian, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. To the undertaker, he's a resurrection and the life. To the visionary, he's a revelation of God. To the waiter, he's the one who came not to be served, but to serve. To the x-ray technician, he's the word of God before whom all things are naked and bare. To the youth, he is a life. And to the zealot, he is a son of God for whom life is worth living. You did it. I was searching, <laughs> I was searching the internet to see if I could find it, so I was ready for you in case you messed in up. In case I messed but up. you didn't. Oh, I, I love that yeah. because it reminds us that he truly is the great I am. He is everything that we need. Mm. He's the ultimate source of supply for all of our heart's greatest longings. And uh, to know him is truly life eternal. Amen. So friends, we hope you've been encouraged today to turn your gaze toward Jesus. And one of the ways you can do that is through the Evidence Bible. In fact, we were talking about this before we came on the program. We have had so many people tell us this is the perfect Christmas gift because it's appealing. The Evidence Bible. Like a banana. The evidence, the what? Like a banana. Appealing. Oh, appealing. Banana man. What? Uh, the evidence study Bible, by the way. We have renamed it. Yes. I think uh, that was smart because it is a study Bible packed full of so many amazing facts and illustrations and answers to tough questions. So check it out at livingwaters.com and put it in a stocking. Make sure it's a ginormous <laughs> one <laughs> because it's uh, like 400 pounds. And make sure it's not used. I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've been caught up reading the Evidence Bible during service by just reading all of the quotes and all of the answers to the oh, common objections and things. So much in Not it. having a clue what the preacher was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can distract you because it's that good, friends. So make sure to check it out. And please subscribe to the podcast. If you're just listening and you've been listening, you've been catching here and there, the subscriptions help so much. We were just talking earlier about how at one point, I think we had reached number 20. 20 in American Christianity. Yeah, for, for all Christian podcasts on the Apple platform in all of America, number 20. Which is a big thank you to our listeners, you guys, for being faithful, for listening. And we hope that we continue, or are able to continue to bless you yeah. by your It's commitment. also a miracle. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's a miracle. Before and, us. <laughs> yeah, and that fluctuates based on downloads and all that. So it, it will be up there and then we'll, we'll drop off and then come back. But we've been regularly quite consistently up in the 250 top Christian podcasts and also in spirituality and religion, Mm -hmm. not just in America, but in multiple countries all around the world. So please subscribe, tell people about it, share. And then we love it when people rate it and also uh, give us comments. We get really, really encouraged by that. And hi to those of you guys who are listening in Croatia and Chile. We love seeing those (laughs) numbers. We have a lot of people listening in Chile and and Croatia. That's right. Um, And and England and and Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, Kazakhstan. Yeah, everywhere. Lebanon, please get on there, my Habibis. I'd love to be connected to you in Lebanon. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to the Living Waters podcast. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. 
have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from. But friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.